You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Today is October 4th, 2021. It is Child Health Day, Cinnamon Roll Day. Mm, yummy. Woohoo. Taco Day. Bring on the tacos. That's right. And Golf Lovers Day. Congratulations to all the golf lovers yeah, out yawn. there. Go play a but round of okay. golf. <laughs> all right. Today we are talking about a topic that I think I think we did okay with on our kids, but probably could have done better. It's an area that a lot of us parents just assume our kids are going to absorb by osmosis. And maybe we don't focus on it deliberately. Kids and money. So as our guest today, we are breaking the Just Ask Your Mom mold and talking with a live dad. I know, guest. have a dad! (laughs) Who also (laughs) happens to be a financial advisor. And who also happens to be Renee's husband, David. Who many of you only know because of the vaguely embarrassing comments Renee keeps dropping here on the podcast. Here well, he is, ladies. <laughs> Welcome, David. Hello there. <laughs> he looks so excited. Yeah. I'm not too sure what to say after that introduction. So um, tell us about yourself. Well, uh, so Renee and I have been married 29 years. Uh, you guys know about our kids. Uh, <laughs> I've been a financial advisor for almost eight years. And okay. it has been probably the greatest joy professionally that I've ever had. And it's just been a real blessing. So that's uh, it's been a, a nice addition to our family here at the end, hopefully, of the last career stop that we'll have. Yeah. yeah. So I just as an observer of y'all's family for so many years, um, I think before you became a financial advisor, even that you guys were doing a really good job on this topic in particular, teaching your kids about money. So that's why I wanted to get... Basically, it's going to be me asking y'all the questions today. So um, let's start out by everybody knows when you're a little kid and you offer a kid a penny, a dime, and a nickel, they're going to choose the nickel because it's the biggest, right? It's the best one. They don't have any concept of value. Um, And as with most things, kids take their cues from parents in the area of money. So in my house growing up, we didn't talk about money. And I think that's a generational thing. because it was kind of impolite. You just didn't, I didn't know what my father made and nor was I allowed to ask. Um, so what does that convey, do you think, if that's your household? Well, it's a big mystery, I think. If your parents don't talk about money, it just appears, right? There's no concept of like value of money. So, you know, you just provide, things appear, groceries appear, you have a house that you're living in or an apartment, you have a car to drive and there's no connection between like the work that went into the, earning that Hmm. money and then providing it for the family. Yeah. I remember growing up, my parents uh, would talk about things like that is or is not in our budget. So I knew they didn't openly talk a lot about like the dollars and cents, but I knew that they had a plan and I just kind of rolled with it. I never thought that we were poor or rich or anything. I just mom and dad provided and Sometimes things were in the budget and sometimes they weren't. And so I got to see that demonstrated. But when there's an absence of that, I think often there's just a lot of question marks. And when parents don't talk about it together or they're not talking about it with their kids, the kids have no concept. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, they start to, uh, I think they will tend to have questions and sometimes doubt because it's not being talked about, but they know it's a thing that they hear about all the time. Money, mm-hmm. money, money, it's everywhere. And if they don't get the answers or at least conversations going on, there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so another situation might be that if your parents, if you grew up hearing your parents fight about money, um, or if you know that they're hiding stuff from each other, uh, like if you go shopping with your mom and she says, don't tell dad that we bought that dress, don't tell him how much it cost. You're learning something there too. And what might that be? Well, I think first of all, it's a bigger issue than money. Uh, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, it, the yeah, marriage right, itself, yeah. probably. There, yeah. There's some problems going on there. But the kids, it's it's taboo. They shouldn't talk about it. It's a scary thing. It's secretive. It's a mystery. Uh-huh. And that does not build, later on, good habits or good um, 
uh, a healthy healthy understanding of how money works what values okay yeah we've seen that in the checkout line uh-huh. emma and i you know tj maxx marshall's somewhere and i just turned to her i was like that is not okay <laughs> teachable moment yeah we don't do that this credit card is something your dad doesn't know about yeah that kind of thing yeah, yeah. um so what about if you hear all you hear about money comes with a scarcity mentality and i i know families like this too where you're maybe your parents talk about how we don't have enough to pay the bills or there's just kind of this underlying anxiety or worry that kind of goes at the family. Oh, can't afford that. That's what you're hearing all the time. Um, it conveys a very limiting view, I think. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it starts with just even the language that mm-hmm. the, the parents use in front of the kids and with each other. It's not only the language, it's the, the overall mentality instead of a scarcity mentality, it's a, a provision or a bountiful mentality. Mm-hmm. And sure, there were things that Renee and I wanted to do when the kids were younger that we couldn't do. But what we would say instead of we can't afford that or we don't have the money to do that is that's not in the budget right now. Mm-hmm. It's saying the, the same truth is that we don't have money for that activity or that purchase. But instead of saying, oh, we just can't, it's we just haven't planned for that right now. And so it's just a different mentality and different language that conveys a similar outcome, but a totally different way to view money. Mm-hmm. This is maybe a question you're not prepared for. I don't know. But do you think that um, carries with it some class mentality? Like um, I was just listening to a podcast the other day. The language we talk about money with um, just varies from class to class. Less scarcity mentality thing for one. Maybe one family would say, we can't afford that. And another family might talk about well, how can we afford that? Right. Like, mm-hmm. like we know mm-hmm. it's possible in the future to do that while another family might just say, that's just not for us. We can't do that. It, it can definitely be class, but with a Christian worldview, that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ because it's so inclusive. It's um, all, you know, there's, there mm-hmm. are in Acts 2, you see that um, there was no needy person among them because they all shared with those who had, in, who had need. Mm-hmm. And so, and you also end up, mixing classes a lot in the body of Christ. So um, I would say in general, yes, that would be true. But for um, the churches that we've been to in Indianapolis and in Greensboro and here in Murfreesboro, we have friends from all very different income categories, Mm -hmm. from some that we were pretty sure were on government assistance to um, millionaires. Mm -hmm. And so it really is a great... um, readjustment for how you think about money and I think that's a big help especially for people who might um, have you know money's really tight it's not fun for money to be tight Mm -hmm. we've been there you know the lifestyle choices we made we were had to be very very careful with our money for a long long time and so yeah I I think it is generally true but it, it doesn't have to be true yeah I think when um that's a lesson for kids in itself too um I think if you're in a church like that or any any setting really where you have different um, income levels, I think that's a really interesting concept for kids to know not everybody has the same amount. And how do you explain that to them? Absolutely. How do you show that to them without making any judgments or... And that's okay. I think that's part of the message is it's okay. And that is life. Life is there will be people who have more than you and there will always be people who have less than you. The, the body of Christ and the Christian worldview is that great leveler, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that it does level out, at least it should. Does it always play itself out that way? I don't think it does mm-hmm. because we're broken. But I think that's the great leveler that can create, and we've seen it at our church where you've got a millionaire sitting next to somebody who's on government assistance and they're, they're sharing back in the day sharing a hymnal <laughs> now they're looking at the same screen on the wall yeah. but but literally those things are happening and that's the beauty of the body of crisis that's 100 percent possible and encouraged and should be happening right. does it always no but it certainly can so i think too it, it maybe encourages um engagement a little more so um giving a hand up to someone or too much whom is given right yeah. mm-hmm. um yep. We're, we're more responsible for generosity. And and I think we'll probably get into this later, but in those situations where it's that great leveler, that occurs when both ends of the spectrum and everybody in between views money as this is God's anyway. 
whether I've got a lot of it yeah. or a little of it. Yeah. It doesn't matter mm. how much I have or don't have. All of it's God's to begin with. And when you use that lens to start talking about money, it does change the perspective. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just did a podcast, Renee and I, on uh, siblings. And one of the things that siblings fight about the most, 95% of the time, is property. And that's because that's the, one of the very limited areas that kids have a dominion over. So maybe this is why, but kids and a lot of adults for that matter tend to associate money with things and stuff, consumerism. Is this all that money is good for? And is this what we want or need to teach our kids? Wow. That's a big question. Yeah. It's only just good for, go go on, get online and buy some more stuff. It's just, it's all about credit card therapy. (laughs) But no, kids are very tangible, right? I mean, they don't get these, they don't get the concept, um, you know, of love or, you know, forgiveness. They need to see it, Mm -hmm. you know, enacted, enacted. So kids are very concrete. So you, you have to be intentional. Um, so for example, when we were giving our contribution at church, we, I mean, there was online giving available. We said, you know what? Our children need to see us write the check. We even waited to write the check till we were like sitting in church. We're mm. writing the check. They see us. And so we would hand it to them so they could put it in. Of course, they had their own money to put in as well. But but that was a tangible way for them to see like we're giving money. Mm-hmm. This is important. It's important for us to um, give back to God because it's all his anyway. So, so not- yeah, they're definitely so tangible that you, it's a building process um, through the years. And there's things you can do through different stages of raising your children to help them mm-hmm. have a more concrete understanding. There's all kinds of cool like giving banks, saving and giving banks that Crown Financial had. We bought that um, that had, um, I don't know if we're ready to get into this, but it had like a saving, spending, and giving percentage ability for you to put. So if your child had a dollar, you could set the bank. I'm going to give away 10. I'm going to save 20. I'm going to spend 70% or whatever percentages you wanted to do. Uh And so from very, very young, like really first grade, they can be seeing this is how money works. And it looked like a little ATM and it had a little plastic card they could (laughs) use to like open it up and get their money out and stuff. And that was a really great tool. I loved that. tool. That was a great tool that we would encourage young parents to do to get that if it's still available or something similar because you'd punch in i just got two dollars because i did a load of laundry or whatever deposit two dollars and you could hit a button how much do i have to spend how much do i need to give and how much can i am i saving and they could open it up and oh i've got a dollar fifty that i can spend they could pull a dollar fifty out and they slip in the money in there it was just such a great resource you'll have to put that we'll put that on our notes for the blog for sure i hope they i really do hope they still make it because it was really it was the thing in the young years that was tangible it was fun to use and they could they could um see they didn't know about percentages you don't learn that till fourth grade or so but but you knew that this is not all mine. Yeah, not all of it yeah. that I get is right. mine. Yeah. Right. So, okay, how do, this is a key concept here. How do we teach the, our kids the value of a dollar? Yeah, well, we're not for allowances. You, like, you, the privilege of being a Sproles is you get to help out around the house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yay, you get to be part of our family. You don't get an allowance, but... Yeah, I didn't get an I don't remember getting an allowance. I remember that at a young age, I was tasked with, because my mom went uh, back to work when my brother went to college, that I cleaned the house every Thursday. And I got money every time I cleaned the house. And that was until I was getting a regular job. That was my spending money. And so we were both, Renee and I were both firm believers of, you are part of the the family. I don't get an yeah. allowance when I do the dishes, right? right. I mean, right. Husband. That's part. That's that's part of the gig. That's right. As being part of the family, but there were extra chores that the kids could do to earn yes. money. So I think one of the huge concepts that's lost in young children and in today's environment uh, is this value of work. We're told in the very beginning of Genesis that work is a gift and that we are designed to work. Doesn't mean that work's always going to be the greatest thing or the funnest thing, but it should be part of our lives. If we can associate work, especially hard work and diligent work with a value money or mm-hmm. something like that, then it's going to drive in not only a work ethic, but also, Hey, when I work hard, I can actually make more money. Mm. Okay. And if I don't work hard, guess what? Going out on Friday night may not be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And there was even um, th- this morning, I'm so glad we're done this podcast. I was remembering our curriculum from sunlight had some poems about work that the kids had to memorize so there was one that was um work while you work play while you play this is the way to be happy each day all that you do do with your might things done by halves are never done right 
And I, you still remember I that. I still that's remember like, it. I hadn't thought of it in years and years. But this morning we were taught, David and I were talking about like, what, what is, what did we teach our kids about work? What it was, you work while you work, you mm-hmm. work hard when you're working, you can play hard when you're playing. And, um, the scripture, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, right. not for human masters. That was like a, one of the top two or three um, verses that we just said again and again. It's like our part of our family identity. So, um, yeah, again, you, the Christian worldview is a view of the world as it is. It's the it's a view of reality. And so what you see when you teach children to work is that um, they take great pride in that. There's, there's self-esteem and self-worth that comes along with that. Um, accomplishing a job doing a job well and it's just the way we're made Mm -hmm. and so it works when you when you teach your children that a a note about that work when you work and play with when you play that concept when it's lost very easily can create a workaholic yeah because they don't know when to turn it off Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. I work all the time I don't work all the time when I am not working I want to be engaged where I'm at and as a dad especially a dad, and this is not really about money, this is about work in general, but as a dad, we've got to be able to turn it off and be the best dad and the best husband when we get out of the office or off the line or whatever we're doing for, for the job. When I go home, I've got to be the best of that role that I'm playing. But when I go to work, I've got to be able to work diligently. And when you can balance those two things, and when I go play, I play hard. I love the hobbies that I have, and I'm able to enjoy them because I'm not thinking about work. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can turn that off. And that was something I saw my dad do uh, well. And it has helped me say, okay, when I'm working, I'm going to work hard. When I'm not, I'm not going to be worried about work. Mm -hmm. And that helps create this balance, I think, as well, for especially men struggle with that the most. As the first dude on the podcast, I get to be the voice (laughs) of men. But it is a struggle for a lot of guys. Yeah, it is a struggle. I know so many moms who tell me, like, my husband works so many hours. and Or when he gets home, he's still working or he's still on his phone. You wouldn't come in the house um, on your cell phone. You finished your call in the driveway. Because when you walked through the door, you you were giving us your attention, which I really appreciated. So that kind of leads into another question I had. Um, well, let me first just say that in our family, we did do an allowance. So I will say that that's a difference between you and me. Sure. Um, and we did however many dollars per age that you were that week. Because our thinking was, and and you could do extra if you needed, if you had a goal, money, yeah. you wanted to do extra things, you could do that. Um, our thinking was you needed to learn some money concepts. So therefore you had to have some right. to work with. Yes. So it wasn't a lot and we didn't, you know, it wasn't overplayed, but, but they did get some allowance so it's not necessarily an evil thing that's really, it's just I mean, a difference more than one way to skin a, a cat you know there, there's more than one way to go about it and you're right i mean and kids cannot get theory they have to have actual money right, right. so what one way or another you know don't be laying 20s out for them but one way or another they have, need to be handling money right whether it's tooth fairy birthday gifts christmas whatever like that so yeah. um but a lot of kids i don't know how many but some and i think my son might be one of them is not motivated by money um, I don't think he will have the workaholic problem that you mentioned. Right. I think he will play hard on purpose um, because he's motivated by free time. He's motivated by fun. And if he can get that without the trappings and success of money, I think he could live comfortably on very little. So what would you say about a kid who, eh, work, maybe, maybe not? <laughs> well, I still think uh, that every child has to value work right they have to value work and so if the child's not motivated by money and you'll realize that after a while right just like understanding their 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 giftings and their personalities and what drives them in general if quality time or if an activity drives him like if if for for your son if hey if you work really hard i'll take you for an extra hour or two of climbing that is it does cost money but for him it's the activity well okay then you can associate harder work with those activities uh, in lieu of a dollar or two dollars so it's just you're, you're still giving it value yes you're just giving yeah. it a and i think that's very important okay. is to make sure that that they do see the value in the activity of working and working hard to renee's point work as if you're doing it for the lord mm-hmm. no matter what it is right yeah so okay here's another controversial question paying for report card grades 
triggered. <laughs> we, I'm so triggered. We weren't fans. We know a lot of people do that. We didn't. Well, first of all, there were no report cards. Oh, because you're homeschooled. <laughs> Hashtag homeschool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved that idea, but I would never would have gotten any money. I would have been the broke 17 year old. We didn't do that either. Well, I've heard that you like say you get a ten dollars for an A, nothing for a B, nothing for a C, me? but then you pay. You have to pay. $10 if, if you that. get a deer. Oh, yes. I would have so, been broke. I, I would have been what. broke. I, I don't think I can get on board with that. I mean, my parents clearly told me school was my job. That's what we they conveyed said, yep. School yes. is your job. School is your job. And your grades are the payment. I mean, your grades are... Job well done. Uh, yeah, that right. is the job well done. Uh-huh. So I, I am I am not for that. Uh, I mean, maybe there maybe there's some good in it I can't, I can't see. Or maybe there's a particular... Um, child who has a particular struggle or disposition that that might help but or personality types where yeah. they they don't see the i'm fine i gotta see i don't care mm-hmm. when you know they could do better than that that like that's a not a money incentive? issue yeah. it's not a it's not a that's not a money uh issue that's more of a drive issue to do your best whether it's a c or a b or an a uh i was not a great in school student and my dad when I would bring home my report card he would always ask me if I got a B or a C I rarely got A's I rarely got D's I got B's and C's he said was that C the best you could do in that class and if my answer was no then he'd be disappointed if the answer was yes that's the that was a hard class I struggled with concept okay Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you but don't ever let it be not the best you could do Mm -hmm. and so that was that's a whole different thing I didn't get paid for grades but I think it's the work ethic behind it to make sure that's what's driving the kids. Okay. But yeah, we, we weren't fans of paying for yeah, grades. Yeah, we didn't do that either. Mm-hmm. So, All right. What is a good age to open a bank account for your child? Is there a limit? Can, like, can you do that at any age mm-hmm. legally? Te- okay. Well, you know, yeah. we had our little plastic ATM bank well, for a long true. time. And we've at some point, we looked at each other We're and like, said... I guess I we should we get them to, a, real a real bank. <laughs> should we really get? I mean, it went on until they were like twelve or something. It's okay. kind of old. So yeah, when I they had their we, driver's license, we decided that we should probably. <laughs> <get them. laughs> so I think they were about. I, I think Emma was about twelve, thirteen. Maybe Houston would have been a little bit younger because we probably did it did at the same, same time. time. But um, technically, to answer your question, yes, you can do it at any age. Any age, okay. you can do but it. But a parent has to be. It's called a custodial account, mm-hmm. and the parents really the custodian of it until in the state of Tennessee, it can go out to age twenty three. But you set it when you open the account at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. At that point, it becomes the kids. It's not mom and dad's. Okay. Uh, they're not. So like not we could it. access their checking account uh-huh. and, and everything um, up until that point. I think we said 18 uh, when they so. went to college. But but yeah, absolutely do it. Yep. And, and we had grandparents who gave um, like a present for birthday and then also money, like a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't let them spend that. We, we said that is, um, you're going to save it. And then eventually at that age, well, when you started doing your, yeah, your so, investing job, your yeah, financial advisor job. Eight years ago, both the kids opened an investment account. And so he was able. At what age would that be? Like uh, Houston, teens? In their teens? Houston would have been 12. Oh, okay. And Emma would have been 15 or 16, something like yeah. that. Okay. So we took that birthday money from those years. That had been sitting in the savings that account. That had just been sitting in our savings account. Mm-hmm. And we we let them david sat down with them and they looked at all the different stocks he suggested for them to look at and then they picked what you tell let him pick three two yeah two or three something like that and um houston was like the little guru he'd get up every morning the little michael j fox yes he was a little character. michael j fox he'd check get up every morning check app. his stock app and see how his stocks were doing emma picked them based on the colors of the graphics we should have known she was gonna be a graphic That's designer hilarious. okay with a little guidance from her dad right. <laughs> yeah you wouldn't have let her pick a bad one you gave right. her only good choices like the pink one and houston picked based on the you know performance and right. all that and okay so, so are, do stocks work the same way as a bank account like you have to have a parent custodian with that too yes okay yep until 18 it depends on this uh, in the state of tennessee you can open it and extend it to age 23 most states you can go out to 21 is the limit okay but tennessee is extended okay so uh i remember in sixth grade when i was in school in florida we had a like a special class that we could rotate through and one of them was money like that on on stocks and we'd actually get the actual newspaper back then and track the stocks and we'd pick one imaginary money right but that was my very first introduction so sixth grade would have been like yeah about that same age i guess um so more than capable of understanding at least the basic concepts of investing there are i'm sure i don't know of them but i would guarantee you there are some really good simulated stock buying apps 
uh, on your phone or your iPad where you could say, okay, I'm going to take $10,000 or $1,000 or $500 and I'm going to go invest them in a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund or a stock and I'm going to monitor it and I'm really going to see what that investment would have done. And uh, that's a great way to get kids to understand how investing works because it's really not that hard, but it's scary because they don't discuss it very much in school. That course that you took would have been very, very helpful for, for kids, but doing an app with your kids in the evenings would be, that'd be a fun family competition. It It would be totally would be. And like (laughs) give everybody a simulated thousand dollars right? and they put it in and I'm going to buy X. You're going to buy Y I'm going to buy a, and we're going to see how it goes. And, and let's just see. Yeah. yeah. And then it sort of takes the mystery and the scariness out mm-hmm. of it. And you're like a little more confident going into it. And you'll That's get somebody awesome. who wants to buy the new hot, you know, you know, the, the Bitcoin uh-huh. of the world. Right. When somebody's going to buy something that's super boring and is, it'll be interesting to see how those perform over time. Yeah. yeah you see their personalities come out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for yeah. sure. I love that idea. Yeah. Love that idea. Okay. So both my kids and on yours too, as soon as they hit 18, they're getting ready to go off to college. All those credit card offers start magically rolling in. How do they know? I don't know. How do they know our address and where we are? Um, <laughs> so our thought was, okay, you probably need one to establish some credit with a very small limit and we're going to send you off like and you can only do like emergencies or maybe just gas with some very structured limits on that what would you say about credit cards in general yeah or nay well as a whole if you look at societally yeah uh, as a whole credit cards are just they're they're a problem right and we see the consumer debt as high as it is theoretically it you know, at the practical level for us, it was never a problem. Mm-hmm. And we demonstrated that to the kids. So I think it has to be, how is it demonstrated by mom and dad before you answer the question, should we get one for Jennifer or Johnny? Okay, good point. Right, because if, if mom and dad used it and hey, we only book our vacations on this because we earn extra miles when we buy airline uh, miles or whatever, uh-huh. or our first credit card was an Amico gas card when we were first married. It was the only one we yeah. could qualify for and the only thing we could put on it was gas. Uh-huh. Well, how crazy are you going to get with buying gas for your car, right? <laughs> those so those it was gas a, station snacks are really, really tempting. It was, I even think that the, the card, I think my dad gave me this idea, the card was limited to only buying gas. Mm. And so it was a, it was a way for us to be able to build up some credit. Now safely. every credit card, yeah, on the, you know, every store on the planet has a credit card, uh-huh. right? Um, and so I think it has to, the first question is how have you been using credit cards as a mom and dad? And if you've been using it responsibly, chances are your kids have seen that and then it's easier to have that conversation. But if you've not been responsible with credit cards, don't expect your kids to miraculously have this healthy understanding of how debt works. And all of a sudden they're just going to go out and, and spend reasonably. They're going to spend how they've seen mom and dad. Spend. Right. Okay. So that's a good point. So we use credit cards in our family a lot, but it's because of the cash back or the points that we're trying to get or travel advantage things that like right. that. And I honestly don't remember. I know when I would go in the store, I'd hand over the card and I know that we're paying it off every month and Mm -hmm. I know what we're using it for, but what they're seeing is swipe, swipe, swipe. Well, that was easy. Mm -hmm. Like there's not even any money there. It's just like you said, kids are concrete and it's just this, oh, this little plastic card did this magical thing. So I could have handled that and had way better conversations. Yeah. All you just have to say is we paid this off every month. That's just, we just said that uh-huh. this is a credit card. They, they extend us credit for 30 days. After that, we have to pay extra money. You sit down interest. and show a kid the math yeah. <laughs> of the percentage. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. And if you, if you, as a parent understand the math and how it doesn't go to principal at first, it pays off interest. If you're paying late, then in the principal never goes down. The other challenge I think in today's world is I've got a debit card and a credit card and can a 10 year old know the difference? Mm. No. So I think explaining. Not by sight, but you, they can if you explain right, right. it. But I mean, yeah. if they just see me pull a card out, what's my debit card? Well, my 10-year-old's not going to know it's a debit card unless I tell them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, an important distinction too. Now, uh, I think a lot of people, most people, I don't, I mean, I like to have cash. Uh, Renee never has cash. I always have cash. But, you know, buying a cup of coffee, I don't debit card my coffee. I, you know, pay cash for it. But kids today see mom and dad swiping all the time, whether it's a debit card or credit card. Yeah. I think in today's environment, we're going that, to a cashless society. It will happen. Right. Yep. It will. Um, but explaining that to kids is, hey, this is mom and dad's debit card. This is just like if I wrote a check for it or if I had the cash in my pocket. Uh-huh. But that's a debit cards can become problematic as well because, and we've seen that with our kids. Won't tell too many stories, but it was the 
why it was really easy to go and swipe at this store and that fast food place and get my gas for the car and boom, all of a sudden, boom, oh, I'm out of money uh-huh. in my checking account. I had right. forgotten about that. One of them went to the coffee shop and they didn't have enough money. They were mortified. And their, yeah, their card got rejected. Yeah. And it was a good lesson. Very, very harmless pain, you know. It happens to everybody. Painless lesson. Well, yep. not painless, not pain free. Right. It was, it was very upsetting and startling. And that was great because it was easily fixed. Mm-hmm. Right. And just saying, you know, okay, you've got to be balancing your account and seeing you know, where you stand with your money, you can't just swipe it and not record it or go on. You can't just not go online and look. And so I'm, I'm very against, um, a a college student taking a credit card. My friends, my girlfriends who I've talked to whose children did that, they typically overspend. Hmm. I mean, my kid did it with the debit card, you know, in high school. So why would, how is that any different? So a cup of coffee from a debit card is way different than three different maxed out credit cards. That's a whole new problem. Yeah, that's well, and, follow they, you. and they start to sneak. So you know, the parent gets the credit card and says, "Okay, this is for gas and for emergencies," and um, they go and they buy you know clothes with it mm-hmm. or go out with their friends. And the parent says, "Hey, no, this is not okay. This is an actual story." Yes, and yes. the child's like, "Oh, I'll just Venmo everything. I'll have my friend buy it, and then I'll Venmo it connected to my credit card. My mom can't see." what I spent it on. I can just put a, a line item in Venmo to a friend, something else. So it, it, I mean, our principle with money is whoever can be trusted with little can also be yep. trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. So credit card is like the maximum, like top of the mountain, much responsibility. So I would not start there. I would start yep. with a debit card with your child if you if they need to take a card or of some sort to school. But it, we didn't we didn't do the credit card. We said, you know, when you're in college, um, I don't think either. I mean, I don't know about Emma and Thomas. I don't think Houston and Caitlin have a credit card. Well, and, and when our kids went to college before they were married, we said, um, we will give you a stipend mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be in the form of a direct deposit to your checking account. Yeah. And you are free to use that. Now, that's a good that's a good option. That a good money. alternative. You're free yeah. to use that money. You want to go out with your friends and spend it all the first week of the month. Okay. Knock yourself out. But you know, <laughs> rest then you're gonna, gonna be, be you're gonna be hungry the rest of the month. So Very interesting. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on to another key concept. So saving. How do you teach saving concepts um, to a child? You force it. Listen, that crown bank, y'all, get yep. on the internet, <laughs> buy it. It was so good for that when they had something they wanted to buy. So every income. Everything. Everything. Birthday, Christmas, Tooth Fairy, all that uh, stuff. I yes. don't think. Do we do birthday gifts? No, no, the birthday money. I told you we set yeah. into the separate bank account because it was the big dollars from grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, but yeah, the else. little things. Yes, it all went in there. Like, and you know, and if you all get a, of it had a savings. If you get a bonus at yes. work, you, out. that's God's money. That's right. Like, there's there's ten percent needs to be taken out of that mm-hmm. minimum. You know. So yes, everything, and it had it was calculated. I mean, you don't have to have the crown thing. You can do a simple envelope system, right? It's it's not that hard, right? right? It's it's challenging when you're trying to break up a five dollar bill into three different envelopes, right? To put the money in there, so the crown bank kept an electronic tran- uh, a oh, okay. record of it. Probably Say, hey, even more advanced now. Probably, yeah. But it's the same. I'm sure there's an app for that, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, everything they received. I think we did ten, twenty, and seventy. That's what ten percent to give. 20% to save and 70% to spend. And you can, you at least on that bank, you could adjust that to be 10 and 30 and 60 okay. or however you wanted to yeah, break you it down. Yeah, adjust the percentages. And we said, you know, you're- Was that ever up to them or did you yes. set the percentages? Yeah, no, we said, we said, we just said it. And we said, now of, of that 70% spending, you're free to give from that too. Right. Like 10% is the minimum that you give. That's the starting point. That's the bottom of the step. But you Stair set steps. there- savings amount like okay we will be saving 10 out of this or 20 saving 20. or whatever it was yes. yeah right. they yeah. they weren't and if no deciding i know oh, i think only they do could two, do more 2%. they could go up yep okay but they couldn't go the down. 10 and 20 were the minimums okay yeah. and if they wanted to change that or if of the 70 there was something and we saw both the kids do this there's something going on at church and i want to give an extra five dollars well, that can come out of your giving, but if you only have two dollars in your giving, the other three comes out of your spending. So, did they ever buck that system? Not did they all. ever no. question why? No, I don't want. I mean, have we to tried to walk them through yeah. the, the, concept the concept of it. Of it yeah, uh, but we had a we had a spender and a saver for sure, for sure. And we had one each. Wise, 
So, you know, I always like spenders are bad and <laughs> savers are virtuous. That's how I came into our marriage. Guess who was the saver? Guess who was the spender? <laughs> so, Some of those roles have somewhat reversed I in the last little bit. Yeah. But no, we're um, still pretty much that way. But, but with Crown, what I loved about the Crown Financial um, teaching, which we, we, I guess, first founded our church and then we adopted it. We taught it, it for a year or two. With our children. Yeah. But, um, was that no 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 there's virtue in both because spenders are by nature generous and generosity is a spiritual gift that god uses for his kingdom and savers are prudent and that is and wise and god also uses that for his kingdom purposes mm-hmm. and so we helped each other uh, david helped me become way more generous i would say i'm much more characterized by generosity after being married to him for almost 30 years I know it. and i was and, i would have spent every penny or or given every penny in my pocket yeah. away between the way i would not have had a whole lot to hold on to because i liked to give or to spend you were always generous tipper even when we had no 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 money and i was i would have been the stingy tipper and i'm so gracious that you displayed that for me and that i learned from that so there's good in both i love that there's yes, good in both there I, is good in both and, and so and you need to know teach. you take the long view like every other yep. parenting thing mm-hmm. i did not expect my child who was the saver to be instantly generous and i did not expect my child who was the spender to be really really good at savings but we we We've, took the 10 12 year view mm-hmm. on that and i can say they're both characterized by being prudent with money but also generous and we are seeing Mission it accomplished. we are seeing it yeah. take place in their married yeah. lives and it's a beautiful thing to see although at eight or ten <laughs> we didn't see the, those characteristics yeah. right right yeah. you wouldn't expect to so no. okay did you ever talk about like um sales coupons oh, oh good grief all yes. that kind of stuff like getting a better time. deal i know like you're the queen of yard sales oh, goodwill yes. renee today she met emma <laughs> In the Franklin Goodwill to go shopping at Goodwill today. Oh, go to the Goodwills in the nice neighborhood. Right. In fancy <laughs> cities. They're always so, so good. Renee still loves to find a bargain. We both do. I, rarely, yeah. rarely do we pay full price. Pay no. retail for anything. Yeah. For uh, our granddaughter, maybe. Yeah, maybe for <laughs> okay. all the things for miss, her. But, but no, I mean, that was a lifestyle choice. We, we said, you know, I'm staying home to homeschool the children. We were a one income family. And we had to be very careful how we spent and we made like we were talking this morning we made some hard choices there were not the big fancy vacations Mm -hmm. and uh we had two cars when we were raising our children we had a minivan and we had a highlander and that was those were the cars we had we raised our kids in for two cars we did not replace them until they were you know and i had a company car for a long Mm -hmm. time and so literally renee drove two different cars for like 20 years 17 18 yeah. 20 years mm-hmm. yeah so uh and you just talk about it but not with, again not with a scarcity mentality you know it's a um it's more fun to find something and pay less for it right so aren't you glad that we didn't pay that ridiculous amount for fill in the blank it's like we're so clever that right. we were able to find it so you were saying yes to other things yes by saying no to the new car, yes. things like that. You yes. were saying yes to other things. And I think that's a different framing. It is. It's a different framing. And not mm-hmm. everyone thinks that way. You know, again, I, I was in the world of single income families. Mm-hmm. And there is a scarcity mentality where it's, we, we can't do that. We can't do this. We can't yeah. do that. And it's like, no, 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 no. God is a provider. and But he's also allowed us to be resourceful. Let's figure this out. Yeah. I think that's a much better way to look, a much healthier way to look at it. Yeah. Way less stress and anxiety and worry attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think you just have to decide ahead of time, how much money do we need to be comfortable with? Yep. Like yes. that's different for different families. And you need to look at your motivations, I guess, for like, what does comfortable mean for you? Yeah, I mean, everything, uh, like as a husband and wife, you can put everything on the table and say like, okay, is, is all this really necessary? Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen that, Bonnie, in yeah. the parenting class when we've taught, there were two income families and we're starting to teach these principles and they're like that takes a lot of time to to do all this stuff you're telling me to do with my child and we've had them count the cost sell the house yeah move into his job change jobs one you know the mom quit the job and start to stay home with the children i mean those are those are things that you should be thinking about and you should be talking to your teenage children 
about uh, don't just follow your heart and what dream career you want to do. Okay, let's think practically about this. Your heart is a terrible compass. <laughs> yeah, what's going to yeah. make a living? Yeah, what? how can you make a living? Um, how can you not have college debt? Mm-hmm. Because um, debt removes your options. If you come out of college with a lot of debt, then you have to have a particular job to pay those loans off. And so you need to you know, think about, especially with our daughter who we knew wanted to be a mom with her whole heart. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, then you need to get an education and you need to do it in a way that enables you to do your dream job, which is to raise little people. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she chose the major she chose. She had lots of other interests besides graphic design. And she chose, that's why she chose the university that she chose. I mean, I kind of felt bad about it on one level because we went to Harding University, Christian private university. Fun, fun, fun. We had so much fun. It was a beautiful community. We lived on campus. It was really great. And she made the hard choice to go to the local college to pay cash. She got a lot of scholarships and then was able to pay that last little bit cash as she went Mm -hmm. for school. And in the end, you know, I asked her the other day, I said, aren't you glad you don't have any debt? Aren't you glad you feel free to do the thing you wanted to do? And she's like, so free, so free. And, and there's a lot of, um, young moms I talk to who don't feel that freedom. They feel very conflicted about staying home with their children because they have all this debt that they're carrying. So these are the kinds of things you want to talk to your kids about. You can carry debt. You can make an informed decision and carry debt. You just want to be sure your child is thinking through it. And they're young. Right. I, that's I mean, what I was going to ask help. you. Like, is there good debt and bad debt? Yes. Because I, we, as a business owner, we carried a lot mm-hmm. of debt for a long time. And, and yes, it was stressful. Sure. Yes, it yes. was stressful. It was it risky. It feel good. But, um, but it got us eventually to where we needed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, let's... Uh, Back to the college thing, Let, let's all agree that the world probably does need a bunch of PhDs in underwater basket weaving, but probably not as many that are trying to get that degree. And so be cautious on the degree and how much additional schooling you get. And will the job that you have, you have to think about this practically, is the job I can get, will it compensate me in a way that I can do well financially? Or am I going to be beholden to this school debt and so I can be a really, really good underwater basket weaver. So, for example, if you want to be an elementary teacher and you know your salary is going to be thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, do not go to a school that's going to leave you with $150,000 of, right. of debt. Right. Don't go to an elite private university where you, you can't pay for that. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to assume a lot of debt. It's just out of proportion. Those are the kind of conversations you need to be having with your children and you know we do we did assessments with them like strengths finders and yep. other kinds of things in high school that helped them kind of figure out what their interests might be and and had those hard conversations because Houston loves music he loves he would he's like I'd love to be a musician but I don't really as he would wanna, say I don't really, I don't want to be broke <laughs> yeah broke I don't really want to be busking so, on the corner with my guitar case so can I can I life. do that as a serious hobby and the answer a lot of times is yes. Yeah. You can do that as a serious, a money-making hobby mm-hmm. that will bring you great joy, but will, but you'll also have more freedom to do more. Side hustle. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, to answer your question about the debt, though, yeah. certainly there is what I would call healthy debt. And as a business owner, it is virtually impossible to start a new small business without taking on some type of debt. Expansion of that business is very, very difficult to do debt. Um, but, but you have to understand how debt works. And is it good debt or bad debt? I talk with clients all the time. Is this healthy debt or unhealthy debt? And um, so just understanding how debt works and where sometimes you have to, quote, spend money to make money, right? You have to go take that loan at X percent. Yep. But it's going to enable you to expand your business. It's going to grow 20% in the next three years, which will then, of course, offset the amount you paid to get that debt. Mm-hmm. Kids don't understand that level of debt. They don't. Yeah. I don't I, well, frankly, I, I don't either. When we were having, I was going to say, I don't think a lot of adults understand debt that yeah, way. And so, just true. making sure you understand how debt works. Yeah. Uh, someone's making money off that debt. Yes. And what you want to do is make sure that you're making more money than the person who you're taking the money from. Mm-hmm. And in, and in general, personal debt, like you said, if it's investing in a career and you know, to get a degree in medicine, you're going to take on debt. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just a it's a huge investment, but. Um, you know, Proverbs is wisdom literature. So it's not like true for every single situation in life, but generally the borrower is slave to the lender. 
And yep. that's, that's a proverb that, you know, in general, the borrower is a slave to the lender and you don't want to be enslaved. It yeah. doesn't, it's not a good feeling. Right. You don't need enslaved. the, you don't need versus want. You don't need the big giant house and the mm-hmm. fancy car mm-hmm. and all that to be comfortable and good in life and be able to still give yes. generously. Yes. I heard it said there's a difference between could and should. Could you do that? Mm-hmm. Probably. Should you do that? Maybe a different yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, let's jump into giving. What are some good ways to teach generosity? Or is that something we teach? Or is that just something yes. that we're born with? Temperament? Yes. Yeah. You got to teach it. Yep. How? Uh, I, first thing that we were talking about this, Renee and I were talking about this is I think, first of all, it's got to be demonstrated. Um, I think giving children something that we tried to do is give kids the opportunity to, what are you passionate about? What do you want to give money to? Mm. Okay. Right. So if they want to support the boys and girls club or the fill in the blank, okay, let's figure out how we can do that. Mm-hmm. They'll be more apt to be involved with that. And that's in addition to what, in our opinion, what you should be doing at church. Um, and that's where they get fun and they could see the joy of being generous and be, uh, being able to help other people. So did you require your kids to give birthday presents and Christmas presents to family members? Yes. And Especially we would, me. yes. And I we would help them. We would help them buy them because they had, you know what? $5. Okay. <laughs> their bank, you know, but, um, again, by, by temperament, if Houston didn't spend his money, the gift was not from him. Yeah. Ah. He would say the words aloud as you were opening it. That's not from me. <laughs> I helped pick it out. Like but he's so I, I didn't loyal. Like he's such a, he's such a loyal invested person. Like once you're his person, he, you're in. Mm. And so he wanted to spend his money and, and this was our saver child. So yeah. look at that generosity starting to blossom yeah. there. He really, um, was able to connect like my relationship with you. I need to be invested in the gift that's, that is going to you. Um, also that's one of the things that God tells us to test him in. I think it's Malachi. Is that the, the only thing God says, test yeah. Malachi three. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you can, as a family get really creative in this. We read, we read, um, the biography of George Mueller, uh, when the kids were in elementary school and he literally never fundraised. He only asked God for provision for the orphanages that he had. And there's story after story after story of how God provided. And that combined with this Malachi verse, we, the kids, we just looked at them and said, Hey, you want to try that? And so we had, um, these children in Haiti that we were supporting a girl and a boy to try to make it tangible. Like you said, mm-hmm. you know, a little girl for about Emma, the same ages. little boy for Houston, about their same ages. And we would pray for them and we could send them little presents and things, which we did and letters, you know, but you could also build them a house mm. in Haiti and it was $4,000 to build a little concrete block house. And, um, the family has to pay like rent for the land to the Haitian government. You can't buy the land in Haiti. You can rent it for a hundred years. Okay. And so we had to check with the organization we went through and they, they contacted the two families. The one family was not able to buy the land so that they couldn't have a house. But the other family said, yes, we're willing to put the money down for, um, the land. If, if the sponsor could provide the house, well, we didn't have $4,000. We didn't have <laughs> close to $4,000 to give. So we just started asking God, like, show us, show us. Like, this is what we want to do. And, um, and just opportunity after opportunity arose. Like Emma got little babysitting jobs in the neighborhood and Houston had opportunities to do jobs around the house. And then we got called to do all these this was fun, the best. like fun, um, focus groups. Mm. And so like David and I got to go to the Dunkin' Donuts focus group and try all these new flavors and, and we they each, paid us and they, we each made $50 what kind of job is that I know we each the made, best job ever and, we, and so we just like kept a list I wish I could find it I'm not sure where it is we kept a list of all the provision that God did it was four months I think four months $4, four months we yeah. had $4,000 it, it was weird like my parents just out of nowhere sent us some money that we weren't expecting we got mm-hmm. One of this, you know, they reevaluated your escrow on our mortgage payment, oh, right. and we got yeah. this check for like eight hundred dollars or something like that from an escrow uh, reevaluation. I'm like, where did this come from? And just like, okay, thank you, Lord. And we shared every one of those things, obviously, with the kids, but they got to see exactly how. Okay, we stretched ourselves, and God said, "Test him in this," and we did, and He provided, and it was for the benefit of this this family in Haiti, and it's um, it's. Speaking of, they did such a fine job of building that, that the first earthquake, and this would have been, what, 2010 or 11 when the earthquake happened down there, the the cinder block homes that this organization built did not fall. Hmm. 
but a lot of the other more poorly built uh, center block homes or homes did so Wise yeah it was a really house upon it was a, right. it was a really right. neat blessing that it we was got a to be cool in, yeah. it was a really cool family activity anybody can do that get your kids together and say hey what do we want to do what's bigger than anything we could do on our own and ask god to do it and it's just it's crazy fun it's yeah. crazy fun to see god make that happen that's very cool very cool um Okay, here's a question. I think we've already talked about investing a little bit and how to kind of get your kids into that. So once your kids have money and the money is theirs, whether they've earned it with a high school job or chores around the house, how do you then like help them monitor and regulate it? Because you might hear, this is my money and I can do what I want with it. I earned it. Well, not if you've been telling them the the basic foundational principle all their childhood, which is, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. He's founded it upon the seas. He's established it upon the rivers. Who, you know, who, who, the cattle on a thousand hills are his. Everything is his. We are only stewarding it. So if they're telling you that, they haven't got that concept. Right. Because it's not their money. Because it's not our house. It's not our cars. Okay. You know, it's God's. It's mm-hmm. all God's. So you got to change the way you're talking about it with your kid. And that's just a, that's just a little warning signal. Like, hey, you know, like you're, you're not understanding the way this works. Mm-hmm. You're actually just um, stewarding this and it's God's $200 paycheck. And so we need to talk about how that needs to be um, divvied up. So if you're starting with a teenager, that might be a little bit longer. Yeah. If you're not starting with a six-year-old, you okay. know, then that's going to be a new concept. And so, you I mean, you draw more bees with honey than salt mm-hmm. or vinegar, <laughs> whatever the old saying is. So... Uh, I'm not a big fan for power struggles with teenagers, but, but it, it is an indicator of, Hey, something's awry here. There's a, there's a worldview problem on the way we're thinking of money. Yeah. That's a heart issue. It's uh, it, it's in my opinion and because either, and since I don't know your audience, I can say this either. It's not being demonstrated differently than what they're saying to you that's what they're saying and you're they're seeing in your actions or it just hasn't been uh explained to them clearly enough to know that that money is god's and god is steward giving you the opportunity to be a steward of it what you do with it and you can enjoy some of it right but but it's not all to be just blown so but if you okay, don't like so what like they're buying yeah that's what i'm I, going with i don't know that you can tell them they unless it's dangerous or something right. I'm so not that's sure 70 percent that they've saved up that's yeah, theirs to spend i'm it, just gonna go buy a thousand jolly ranchers with it yeah like a case I think of jolly okay i'm all in like, with the jolly ranchers <laughs> you need at this point if it's a teenager you're talking about you know part of parenting teenagers is letting them have more responsibility and letting them make those mistakes mm-hmm. and um, I mean, even when our kids were younger in elementary school, they, I didn't like some of the toys and stuff they bought. I thought, oh, that's just junk. I don't want you to spend your hard earned few dollars on that, but we let them do it because it's part of stewardship is making those decisions. And so, yeah, I could, I would put my foot down on the 10%, 20%, you know, giving, saving stuff, but nope, that's their money. Oh. I mean, to steward, it's God's money. They're stewarding. I think another thing that you can start earlier, especially when they do start to have opinions on what they want to spend their money on, mm-hmm. is the concept of a budget, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they want to go buy a thousand Jolly Ranchers, but they also want to go to the movies this weekend, chances are both of those things can't happen mm-hmm. if they go spend all their money on Jolly Ranchers. And so having them understand, not telling them, a budget is a a predetermined decision that you're making before an action happens. That's all it is. You can do that with your time. You can do it with your money. And so a child is saying at the beginning of the month or whatever, hey, I want to go and see this movie that's coming out in three weeks. Well, I better set some money aside. That's a budget idea. It's a decision that they were made before it's time to spend the money. Introducing them to that, I think, is also helpful for them to understand that you can spend the 70%, right? But are you going to go to Starbucks every day and buy a coffee every day and mm-hmm. before you know it you've spent all of your 70% and you haven't done anything else you haven't bought a new outfit you haven't bought a new game for your PlayStation none of that but you've had that $6 coffee every day 
that it'll be a couple of months for them and then they'll realize that's not so much fun or you see the six sweaters in your drawer that you're not wearing that you bought you know it's kind of a bummer and you realize oh i can only get five bucks for these if i list them on instagram if i resell them like yeah. when i resell right. them so some like, of that's just gonna happen as a matter of course because yeah. that's so. how we learn we've all made that mistake yeah. from our right? mistakes yeah y'all yeah. 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 and and uh waiting so like for a big purchase it's always um or i've just done this for myself like i'm not gonna buy that right now i might drop it in my cart online but now i'm gonna make myself wait a week and see if i really really want it in a week you could i mean you could throw that out there also pro move put it in your cart and then don't buy it and wait for the coupon to come from the company (laughs) we see it's in your cart here's a 10 percent coupon there you go yeah i think also i don't know if we're gonna talk about this but renee and i were talking about one of the things we did with the kids and i can't remember how old they were when we did this i went the day i got paid Mm -hmm. i went to the bank and pulled it all out in cash Mm mm-hmm and we had our budget and we set aside, okay, here's how much is going to the electric bill and here's how much we spend on groceries and this is how much we goes to pay for the house and this is what we're giving to church. And we went through the whole list and over here is a small pile of this is what we get to have fun with. Our spending, our entertainment is what we've always called You're it. You're doing this in front of your kids. Yes. Yeah, it's on the kitchen on island. On the kitchen counter. On the kitchen island, David's paycheck okay. in cash. And they're watching you go, oh, okay, so this is not all ours. Right. Right. And, but a couple of things, and we, I didn't realize this until Renee told me, um, it, one, it shows the kids we've got a plan. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that, that we have allocated dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's finite. It is finite. Here, yeah. This is it. This is it. This lasts the month. We told them how much went to taxes and their eyes got really big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they all of a sudden didn't like the whole idea of taxation. Uh-huh. Um, but they got to see that one, we've got a, a budget, we've got a plan. And, Tell them what. So, yeah, I was talking to Caitlin, Houston's wife, uh, last week, and we went on a great little girls' trip together. She and Emma and Dottie and I. And, um, she said, what Houston said when we did that, that he felt very secure. Now, he didn't tell us this. I, I didn't know that till last weekend. That he, um, that seeing that money sitting there made him feel secure, that he knew where things were going. He also became very frugal he went around the house like turning off the lights when he saw how much <laughs> went to so the electric funny. bill he was flipping off the lights in the room so we weren't using it was very funny it made an impression on him but i didn't know it made that positive impression in terms of um security yeah concrete mm. kind of a thing because like you said and he would have been maybe 11 or 12 still it was um, an impression for him yeah very interesting impression. And we only had to do it the once yeah, and you have to do that cautiously with your kids because all of a sudden your kids think, oh my goodness, mom and dad are rich. You get a lot of ones and fives, it helps. Yes, yeah. But, you know, you've got to be that do that cautiously that you don't go around and tell your ki- your friends that we, this oh, is... Oh, right. that's right. There's we did privacy. have to put them on lockdown and say, like, you cannot discuss this Right, because I was raised friends. similar to you, Bonnie, where my dad worked for IBM for nearly 44 years. At the time, dad was at IBM. The policy was if you mentioned to anyone else at the company how much you got paid, you and the other person were fired. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I never had a clue. Still don't know what my dad made mm-hmm. when he was IBM. It wasn't publicly talked about. So what we did with the kids to show them this is what you know dad brought home this month, uh, or what I got, what the gross pay was before taxes, because we showed them what taxes were. Uh, it was an eye opener for them to say, oh, but obviously we didn't want them going around telling all their friends that. Right. I think that's an awesome, awesome concrete demonstration of. Um, what that looks like and where it goes. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the, that you have And things were it. tight, so we very quickly went and deposited all that money back in the checking <laughs> we account. Yeah, we couldn't float it. <laughs> like, run, run back to the thing. Okay, um, so there's a couple of pitfalls. I remember one time on a trip, um, we went to, over the border in Arkansas, I believe it was, to the dog track. Just as a demonstration, because I wanted to show them, like, I I don't know that we've ever bought, maybe once bought a lottery ticket, right? Um Here's what risk is. Here's a little bit of money. You ch- here's $5 for you and $5 for you. Isn't this going to be fun? And they're like, $5. Yay. So they could use that did for the vacation. Did one of them win? Did one of them no, win? They oh. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> so, yeah, first of all. You created a habitual gambler. <laughs> the dog track in the middle of the day is a sketchy place to be. So yeah, that was that. a whole nother lesson. But so they, they picked their dog and we, you know, yay, cheered on the dog. Of course, they both lost, right? So you've lost the $5 and here's, this is what gambling does. Here's what risk means for you. Right. Right. Um, and lottery tickets are the same thing, but I, I mean, our state alone, how many bazillions yes. of dollars yeah. is in lottery tickets? How do you demonstrate what is acceptable risk and what is not acceptable risk as far as money goes? Wow. Yeah. Well, we did. Okay. We were at the bowling alley 
And you know those crane games? You put the dollar oh, yeah. in and you can manipulate the crane to try to grab the stuffed animal mm-hmm. or the ball or whatever. And Emma wanted to do it so much and it's gambling, right? You put, you may or may not get it. And I thought, we're going to teach her a lesson. We're going to put that dollar in and she's not, she's, she's little. She's like eight. She can't manipulate that just perfectly. You know, and it barely. It's rigged. It's Nobody rigged. gets them. It barely right. scoops it up. Oh. She won. She won. <laughs> Fake news. She got it. I was it. like, oh, this lesson went totally awry. Like, <laughs> it did not work out. So I'm glad your kids lost their $5. Yeah, I, was, I knew you were going to say, yeah, one on one big, 100 to one, no. and walk down $500. Yeah. <laughs> so again, just in terms of investing, there, I mean, there's acceptable risk and sure. unacceptable risk. And everybody's different on how much risk they're willing to take. Hmm. I mean, I've uh, interacted with people who are quite young and super super uh conservative okay and i've interacted with people who are much older than i am and way more risk okay than i am Mm -hmm. so it's it's going to be a unique decision on how much risk i think there is unhealthy risk like in my opinion you know playing the dogs or buying a lottery ticket um so i think you just have to have those conversations again i think it's probably disposition you know, yep. and typically women and are, age. women are more conservative than men typically in their investing dispositions. But then your child's personality, you know, you may have a very big risk taking child. So I would, if that were my child, which we didn't have one like that, but my first thought would be, how can I funnel that into positive? And like, a, how can I make that in, into a positive trait? So how can we think about maybe we do invest in a little bit riskier investment um when they're 10 11 12 in that in that account um but gambling is a whole nother another thing right altogether and so um I think I guess you just have to roll the dice with that (laughs) oh that's a good one you did there that's very funny (laughs) (laughs) so I I would I would tread lightly with that because gambling is a it's actually an addictive habit yes so you would want to you'd want to look for the virtue in that yes and elevate that I, I, I totally agree. Um, so I had some friends um, when my kids were in high school, neighbors actually that lived near us, um, and they had set a set amount, um, set aside a saved amount for each child uh, for college or whatever it was going to be, and it was up to the kid. They knew ahead of time. Okay, we're each going to have x x number of thousand dollars when we graduate from high school. So it was kind of up to them. They knew I could work really hard through high school, get a scholarship and use that money yep. for something. Or I could putz my way through high school <laughs> and get my college paid for. You know, they had all these options, right, right? right? And they each did something different. They had four kids. They all did something different. One had a scholarship, used the money and put it on down payment for a house. Another one chose school flat out. Another one had a part scholarship and some student loans and they invested. So, um, I just thought that was an interesting, like each mm-hmm. child is going to be different. And even if you give it, you know, all of your children, the fair, same exact amount, they're probably going to do something different with it. But as long as you've had the conversation about what's a smart investment, all, all these things that we've talked about today, right. um, it could, it could turn out beneficially. Yeah. I mean, it, it, right? yeah, we were talking about this this morning. It wasn't for school. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually didn't save for our children's uh college because we made the lifestyle choices that we did we didn't have the ability to save for college and for retirement and your dad david wisely told us there are no scholarships there's no for retirement. scholarships for retirement save for retirement if you can't do both yep. and so that's what we did and we saw our children both be able to um not only pay cash for college, they actually, once they married, they started making money mm-hmm. going to college, which was a huge blessing. And we feel like that was not a pat on the back for us. That's God blessing obedience. Right. Yeah. That's God. Like that's again, that's his graciousness towards our children when what he did for them, what we couldn't do for them mm-hmm. in the early years, but we weren't willy nilly with our money. We, we tried to be careful and we weren't perfect, but we didn't mm-hmm. make huge mistakes like following crown. We, we, um, the mistakes we made were small enough to recover in yeah. a matter of months, yeah. not a matter of years and years and years. Right. Yeah. So for the wedding, so yeah, we didn't have a, a bunch of money put aside for the wedding, but we listened. I think it was Dave Ramsey. Right, his daughter. His, yeah, his daughter okay. um, said uh, that, did he do that for her? I think that's what I remember. Um, he gave her a lump sum for her wedding and he was like, it's yours. And you can spend it all. You can spend more than that. Throw your own money in there. So we thought that's probably wise because the two of us had not 
um, we had obviously we didn't have a bank account together till we got married. Mm -hmm. And that was one of our first big disagreements was, you know, we weren't keeping track of who was spending what. She's being nice. I wasn't. And well, (laughs) because David had that his family had duplicate checks. Okay. And they didn't have to write in a register. Uh-huh. My family had not non-duplicate checks, and you wrote everything in the register. So he was not thinking. You know, we just had the non-duplicate checks, and he was just doing what he was raised to do. And then it became a problem because <laughs> half the checks weren't recorded. In the- Funny how that works. Yeah. And so anyway, we, we just learned really quickly, like, oh, whoa, this is a problem. We've never really managed money together. And we just had this really big, fancy event, you know, uh-huh. to start our marriage off. So we said, let's don't do that. Let's let Emma and Thomas talk through that talk through the large sums of money that they were going to you know spend on this wedding and it's their money Uh uh-huh and so that was I've talked to them several times about that because as a mom it was kind of a bummer because now I don't have it's not my business yeah it's their business I I we're not going and doing all the planning things together because it's really her and Thomas's money Uh uh-huh but I think in the end I feel really good about how that turned out because she said you know it they really were able to respect each other's opinions, negotiate and compromise mm-hmm. on what they want to do. And they ended up saving several thousand dollars, and which was a great little nest egg for them. Right? So we gave them a set amount and said, if you spend all of it, great. If you spend more, the addition's on you. If you don't spend all of it, you keep the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to Renee's point, for instance, you know, well, do we really want this cake and that cake? I'd rather have two photographers and one cake okay instead of if it was just mom and dad's credit card just swipe 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 it would have been two cakes and two photographers and so they had to make those intentional decisions together and we were out of it yeah so it i would just throw that out there as that was a real blessing for our grown children to do that together and um it was what we hoped it would be having debriefed with them Uh it was the, the opportunities to have those hard conversations i think um, one of them wanted to use a friend to do the photography and Emma's like, absolutely not. You know, <laughs> you'd have these, you have these big conversations. And again, it also gave them security. They had money in the bank when they started their lives together. Yeah. Cause they were young. Win, win. They yeah. were young. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great example. A wonderful example. Well, see, I knew this would be a really great interview and you guys would have so much wisdom to share. And I was right. So thank you, David, for being with us today. It was my pleasure. So we're not experts for sure, but We've been blessed. We, yeah, we've been yep. blessed, and we didn't manage to not make the huge disastrous pitfall mistakes. Awesome. So. Well, we'll definitely put some of the crown resources that you yeah, mentioned yeah. Um, on our website, justaskyourmom.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. And if you're listening, always, uh, we'd love for you to leave a review or a comment. It just helps people find us and send us your questions and topic ideas at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Your Mom. Mom.